Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you have your Bibles with you, if you turn to Genesis chapter 8, Genesis chapter 8. As we think about the song we just sang, Jesus is strong and kind. When uh, we look at a world and we are confused and and we don't really know what to do and and we see there's so much division in the world, there's so much uh, hostility in the world, there's so much violence in the world, we can know that Jesus is strong and he can be our refuge. He can be the one that we, we run to to protect us in the midst of a, a world of chaos. And Jesus is kind. He, he, he receives us in love. So Jesus is strong and kind. And, and we see that both of those things emphasized here in the story of Noah, too. We see Jesus, the Lord, is strong. He is so strong that he, well, created the world. In, in the very first chapter of Genesis, he created the world and everything in it. He created the, the stars and the sun and the moon and everything in it. And then he, he destroyed his creation. We see that in, in last week's chapter. And, and, and because people had sinned, he destroyed every living thing. He is strong. He is strong. He will not put up with wickedness. And he is also kind. He remembered Noah. <laughs> he remembered Noah in the midst of, of all the death and destruction we saw from the chapter last week. He remembered Noah. He remembered his covenant promise. So let's let's look at our, our text today. Uh, again, um, uh, Last week we saw death and destruction. God opened up the, the windows of heaven and the, the springs of the deep that, and, and, and the whole world was flood. And it, it emphasizes the end of the text. Everything was dead from, from birds to beasts to every creeping and crawling thing and every single man. Everything that wasn't in the ark with Noah died. And we pick up here in chapter 8. And it tells us, but God remembered Noah. Now let's just linger there before I read the text. God remembered Noah. Let's read. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a, a wind blow over the earth. And the waters subsided. And the fountains of the deep And the windows of heaven were closed, and the rain from the heavens was restrained, and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the water had abated, and in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters continued to abate until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. At the end of the forty of forty days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made, and sent forth a raven, 
It went to and fro until the waters were dried up on the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot, and she returned to him to the ark. For the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. He, he waited another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly picked olive, olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him any more. In the six hundred and first year, in the first month, in the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and, loose, and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the twenty-seventh day of the month, the earth had dried out. And God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is, on, that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and may, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth, went out by families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings to the Lord. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we pray that you would apply this to our hearts. Lord, that you, we would have ears to hear and eyes to see. Father, I pray that, uh, Lord, we would glory in your grace that you've had toward us. Father, you are wonderful. You are an everlasting Father to us. And your, your promises are faithful. You keep every one of them. Father, I pray that you would be with me. Give me strength and grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, but no, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts and livestock that were with him in the ark. We can come to this, and we don't want to misunderstand it. It's been several months that Noah's been in the ark with the, with all the animals and creatures and and his family, and they were probably all cooped up and probably smelled in there and everything, and. Uh, we don't want to get the eye that somehow God forgot about them. And then only at this moment, oh, oh well, I forgot all about Noah. I remembered him. No, no. Um, this remembering uh, is, is, a, is, is kind of just bringing, 
I think literarily it features to bring God back into the story. We see all that happened. We see the destruction that that uh, was taking place, and uh, and and it shows the faithfulness of God to His promises. Remember back in chapter six, if you were here then, in chapter six, Noah, God told Noah that He would build, He would uh, establish His covenant with Noah. I will establish my covenant with you, God says to Noah. And, and he remembers that covenant. He will be faithful to that covenant. And here he remembers Noah. And something that, that should remind us is that when we face all kinds of obstacles, when we face uh, a world that we don't understand, when we, when, we, when we face difficult times in our life, when we face infections, when we face diseases, when we face the loss of a loved one, when we face all of those things, the Lord remembers us. When we're a part of His covenant people, when we are in Jesus Christ, when we have placed our faith in Him, He remembers us. We are not alone, but He is there with us each time. Then, it tells us the fountains of... Oh, before that. And God made a wind blow over the earth, and the water subsided. No. Here we have a, a, a wind that blows over the waters, and this might sound somewhat familiar. Um, the same word for wind in the Hebrew text is, is the word for the Spirit. And in Genesis chapter 1, as God was creating the whole earth, we see that the Spirit hovered over the water. And here again we see the, 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 the wind, the same, same word there in the Hebrew, the wind was blowing over the water. And from this we might get the idea that God is bringing about a new creation. Out of the old that He had destroyed, He's bringing about a new creation. And we'll see things like this in the text as we go through how, how God separated the water from the dry land. And, and here he's, he's got the wind blowing over the water. It says that the fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were closed. The last chapter, in chapter 7, we saw those things had opened. The fountains of the deep had opened, and uh, the, the windows of heaven were opened. And, and, and here we see a reversal of that. God just flipped the switch, didn't he? He, he turned on the faucet, and the water just came up, up bubbling from the ground, and it was coming down from the sky, and then he turns off the faucet, in a sense. He closed up the windows of heaven. He closed up the fountains of the deep, and the water begins to subside. We're told at the end of 150 days, the waters had abated in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest upon the mountains of Ararat. Um, now, it says it came to rest upon the mountains of Ararat. Do you remember, as we've been going through this, Noah's name means something. His, his name, when his father named him at the end of, of uh, chapter 5 on the genealogy, he said, this one will be called Noah uh, because he's going to bring us relief from the curse. Noah's name means rest. And, and, and he said relief. It's that same, same play on words. He says I, I, he'll bring us relief from the curse. And here, the, the ark came to rest. Same word, same, same word group. He's, he's bringing it to rest upon the mountain. And 
uh, Mount Ararat. There is a mountain that we call Ararat um, today. We don't know if that's necessarily the same place where the ark uh, landed. In fact, it says the mountains of Ararat, plural. So maybe somewhere along that mountain range, we don't know. Um, and it tells us the waters continued to abate until the 10th month and the 10th month on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. In the last chapter, we'd seen how the water had raised and raised and raised and had covered the mountains by 15 cubits. I think that's 20 feet. And after all of these days, we've got 150 days. We've got um, um, more days off after that. And finally, after all of this time, you can finally just see the mountaintops. That's not talking about all the dry ground. That's just the mountaintops. Something we can get from this, um, um, this is not original to me. Uh, I, I heard this and checked it out in a commentary, but uh, um, basically the idea is in our lives, sometimes it's that way too. Our troubles can come on us like a flood. They come on us quickly and they sometimes take a long, long time to settle down. Uh, think of the coronavirus. It didn't take long. It was like, you know, they made the announcement, we're all locking up in our homes, and everything shuts down immediately. But it takes a long time for everything to kind of get back to... It still hasn't... <laughs> I know. It's, it, yes, Josh. <laughs> It'll take a long time to get everything back to normal. And the same with the violence that's in our streets. It just takes a spark. It just takes a spark, and, and, and we see... Uh, all kinds of violence on the news and, and everyone is at each other's throats and it doesn't take long to get that started. And take a, it can take a long time for things to, to finally smooth out again. The word says, at the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent forth a raven and went to and fro upon the waters um, until the waters were dried up from the earth. Now the raven that he sent out was an unclean animal. We've got this distinction between the clean and the unclean animals in the Old Testament. And and um, uh, as a as a, an unclean animal, it's uh, the raven is a scavenger. And so whenever Noah lets the 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 raven out, it probably went to and fro and was able to find food as a scavenger from all the debris that was floating upon the water, maybe from the bodies and the corpses and the animals of all those things. The, this scavenger, unclean bird was able to do that, and it did not come back into the ark. Then Noah sends out a dove. A dove was a clean animal. A dove was a, a, an animal that was able to be sacrificed. And uh, we know that um, uh, God had told Noah while he was getting ready to go into the ark, you're to take seven of all the clean animals and clean birds, but only two of all the, the um, uh, unclean, so that probably here um, uh, there would be, well, we'll see it at the end of the chapter, but that there would be animals for sacrifice whenever this was all over. So the bird, the dove, goes out, and um, we see that uh, um, sh at first she didn't find any place to set her foot. Um, literally, that's a, another word of, well, that's using the term Noah. She, she didn't find any place 
to, she didn't find any resting place to put her foot. No resting place. That's, that's the same word for Noah. We, we keep hearing in this text the repetition of Noah's name, uh, Nuach, Nuach, uh, in different ways and in different forms, um, emphasizing rest, uh, a rest that's being longed for. But uh, the, the dove did not find a place to set her foot. She didn't find a resting place. And she returned to him from the ark. Noah put out his hand and took her and brought her back in. He waited another seven days. Seven days is significant. We think back to the creation story. God created everything in seven days. Um, so Noah waits about a week. Uh, that's the, the cycle that God had instituted in creation. He waits about a week. And he sends out, sends out the dove again. And this time, the dove brings back a freshly plucked olive leaf. And so it tells us Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth whenever he received this. He knew it, but he still waits. They don't open up the boat and get out as soon as they know that the waters have subsided. He gets this, this freshly plucked olive leaf, uh, so, so he knows that, that there's new life coming into existence, but he waits. He sends out the dove again, and this time, she doesn't return. We step back again from the narrative, and it tells us, in the 601st year, in the, six, in the first month, in the first day, the waters were dried from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. So he could see it with his own eyes. It wasn't just sending a bird out. It wasn't just sending out a, a scout to see what it was like, but he could see it with his own eyes. He knew that the, the ground was dry, but he still waits. He still waits. In the second month, we're told, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, go out from the ark you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is from all flesh, birds and animals. And, and it continues down with, that, uh, with those phrases there. Um, God says, go on out. Go out. You and the animals and your wife and your family and everybody. Go out. And in verse 18 it says, so Noah went out. The, the point that I want to make here is, Noah waited, for one, he waited on the Word of God. Uh, he, he didn't just see that it was, it was time. He didn't see that it, just see that it was dry and, and just get out on his own. But he waited for the command of the Lord. And, and whenever God spoke, it happened. Just like we see in Genesis chapter 1, God spoke and there was light. God spoke and He separated the, the land from the the waters and God spoke and all of these things came into existence just like that God speaks and Noah's family obeys and the animals obey uh, this emphasizes the obedience that that when God speaks that's what they did and then verse 20 when they come out of the ark Noah knew he didn't deserve what he got. Got a bug. <laughs> he knew he didn't deserve what he got. 
In chapter 6, it told us that every thought of the heart of man, every intention of the heart of man was only evil continually. And, and I said you know, a few weeks ago that Noah found grace in God's eyes. And whenever he received this grace, whenever he had gone through the floodwaters and was able to come out of the ark, the first thing that it tells us that he did was he burns a sacrifice. He burns a burnt offering to the Lord. He knew he was a sinner. He didn't deserve God's grace. And he offered a sacrifice just as, as God had commanded. Uh, you know, he, he didn't... It doesn't tell us here, and it doesn't tell us earlier in the text, that a sacrifice is needed. The first instance, the first instance we see of something like a sacrifice was when, Cain, when Adam and Eve had fallen, and they realized they were naked, and they tried to cover themselves with, with just uh, fig leaves and things. And what does God do? He, he prepares animal skins for them so that they can be covered. He, he prepares those animal skins, and that's, I, I think, the first sacrifice we see in the Bible, and it teaches us that, that, uh, that it takes the blood of, of, a, of a creature to cover our sin. The New Testament teaches us that, that uh, our, our, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. We see that God provided the sacrifice there for Adam and Eve. We see a, 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 another sacrifice when it comes to the time of, of uh, Cain and Abel, and we see how that turns out. And here, after the flood, the first thing Noah does, the thing that he knows to do, is he, he, he does a sacrifice. He, he slaughters animals from, every, from, from among all the, the clean animals and from the clean birds as well. And God is pleased with the sacrifice. It tells us, When the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in His heart, I will never curse the ground again. Never again curse the ground. God was pleased with that sacrifice. Uh, we see later on, in the first five books of the Bible, which Moses wrote, we see later on, that, that the sacrifices are explicitly commanded, what they're told to do. But here, we, the, we're just following it along in the narrative, and they just kind of intuitively know it, it demand, God demands a sacrifice. And God is pleased with this sacrifice, and He gives another promise. He says, I'll never again curse the ground because of man. And we think back again to chapter 3 of Genesis. What was it that God did whenever the man and the woman sinned? He cursed the serpent. He didn't curse the woman. And He didn't curse the man. But He cursed the ground. Here, we see um, God promising, I will never curse the ground again because of man. What He had done back in chapter 3, He's not going to do again. Uh, he's not going to destroy. I think in this curse, it's a, it's a kind of destruction, bringing, bringing the floodwaters upon. And we'll see this played out more in chapter 9 because he, he gives a, a specific promise. He gives the rainbow that we know about from the next chapter. But here's the reason, he says, I will never again curse the ground because of man for... Here's a reason... The intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. That doesn't seem to make sense to us, does it? 
I'm not going to ever destroy the earth again because man is so wicked. I, I will never again strike down every living creature as I've done. While the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. We should think on this for a minute. Why is it that, that God says, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of his heart is evil from his youth? He's already done it once. He destroyed everything in the flood, and we still have a sinner, Noah. We still have a sinner who needs God's grace. Um, Noah recognizes his need for grace. He, he, he offers a sacrifice. God is pleased with that sacrifice, but God recognizes Noah is a sinner. He is weak. He is frail. Just like each one of us. We are all sinners from our youth. We're, our hearts are evil from our youth. We're born sinners. We don't learn it from our parents. You know, anybody that's a parent should recognize you don't have to teach your kids to sin. <laughs> right? They learn it on their own. Or they don't they don't learn it. They just they just do it. Right? We don't do it because we, 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 we learn from a bad example. No, we, we just have evil within our hearts from the moment we're born. And as soon as we're able to understand the difference between right and wrong, we choose the wrong. We, we might even get a smile on our face as a little toddler saying, I'm going to do what I want to do, Mom, Dad. <laughs> our hearts are evil from our youth. The remedy for this, God is not going to, to send a flood water again and, and do what He did with Noah. The remedy that I think Noah's sacrifice points to is the sacrifice that comes many years later when Jesus came. The seed of the woman that was promised back in chapter 3. The seed, that one who would deliver us from the curse, who would give us relief from the curse that Noah's father thought he was. It wasn't Noah. And as you, you follow the narrative of the Bible, it's, it's, we, we, the hopes continue to lie on different people. We see Abraham and his family, but it wasn't him. We see Isaac. God, God, God gave Abraham a son whenever he was over 90 years old. But it wasn't Isaac. It was in that line. It was in that continued promised line. And, and we continue to follow that line out. We come to David. Many years later, it's not David, but God promises David he would have a son that would have a kingdom that would have no end. This son that is written about and that's promised to David would be that sacrifice. That thing that we needed to reconcile us and God. God. Jesus Christ was that seed of the woman. Jesus was the seed of David, the root of Jesse. The, 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 uh, I may be confusing my own analogies here. <laughs> he was that one that was promised from the very beginning. He was that one who would crush the serpent's head. And He was the sacrifice that all other sacrifices of the Old Testament would point forward to. The Old Testament tells us, even in the Old Testament it tells us, 
you know, the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. Jesus had to be both God and man. He had to be innocent. And He was able to take our sin upon Himself. He, he was killed. And it was the divine plan of God so that we could be forgiven. So that we could be atoned for. So again, as we look at this text, we see a few things. God remembered Noah. And He remembers us in our difficulty and in our hardship. God is faithful to His promises. God, God is recreating here in this text a, a, new, a new earth. Like one day He's going to come again and He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth again. Not by flood. The book of Second Peter tells us it will be fire the next time. He's going to come and create a new heaven and a new earth. He will raise us up to be with Him if we've trusted in Him. And we will, we will reign with Him forever. We will, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will no longer be any sickness, no more crying, no more pain. No more riots, no more coronavirus. But we will be with Him always. He is faithful to His promises. listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.